You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attack and Scrum podcast. Thank you very much indeed for downloading. We've got absolutely loads to get through tonight, uh, including a look back at all the Guinness Pro 14 action from the weekend of all the, the Welsh regions and how they got on. And we also got the big news of the week, which was Sean O'Brien's comments in the wake of the Lions tour. Just when you thought we might actually stop talking about the Lions tour, a big old news story comes and rears its head. Uh, we'll also have a look at uh, some of the other headlines from the week, including the Six Nations scheduling, uh, the lack of a lack of a sponsor seemingly in that tournament as well. So we'll be looking into that. And as always, we'll have the team of the week to discuss. And uh, we're going to be doing that slightly differently this week. But as always, that's in association with our pals over at Adraig. And joining me to do so is Dan Killick. Evening, Dan. Good evening, Jed. I get your name right tonight, yeah? Yeah, that's a definite that's definite improvement from last week. But uh, <laughs> how's your weekend been? It's been good, yeah. Caught, caught a lot of rugby. Uh, watched a lot. Watched a fair bit on TV and also yep. caught, um, yeah, on Saturday I popped down to, uh, caught the second half of Old Emmanuel versus Old Cranlians down on, uh, Blagdon's pitch. Do you know what? I used to, I used to play cricket down there. You're joking. No, no, I did. I played for, uh, played for Old Emmanuel seconds, which actually wasn't a bad standard. And, uh, I got carted around the park every time I bowled. I had a really awful season. And normally my kind of wobbly left armers were enough to pick up a few late wickets. But yeah, I was completely out of my depth in that league and got smashed around the park for, uh, yeah, for a whole season. God, I didn't expect you to, uh, to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the club's only, only down the road for me. So I popped over there with, uh, with, uh, my daughter Imogen and, um, yeah, we kicked the ball around after, but lovely setup down there. It's a cracking club actually. Yeah. And what was it? What was the standard like? It was good, actually. Yeah, really good standard. So it's um, London and South East Division Three, South West. Um, it was a top of the top of the table clash with uh, Old Emmanuel just uh, just pipping Old Cranley. And so yeah, enjoyed it actually. 
It's good. And also, of- reminds me, we've had plenty of feedback this week in relation to our London Welsh special, which we uh, recorded in part last week. Uh, so thanks to everyone who got in touch with us and gave us their feedback on that. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you haven't had a chance to listen yet, make sure you go back and have a little flick through that because it's uh, yeah something that we, we really enjoyed doing. And uh, yeah, you clearly caught the bug of uh, getting out and watching some amateur rugby the weekends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's lovely, isn't it, getting out and seeing uh, you know seeing a, a, a you know good game. There's a nice crowd down there as well, actually. Not uh, not as many as there was at London Welsh, but a good you know good uh, good buzz down there as well. So yeah, I definitely got the got the bug now. Good stuff. Right, let's bring it back to professional matters then. And there's really only one starting place this week, and it's dominated the headlines throughout the week, and that's the comments made by Sean O'Brien. Uh, he's come out and criticised the uh, the coaching team on the Lions tour. Also, kind of suggested that uh, with a, a different setup, the opportunity was there to win the series three nil. Caused a huge amount of stir in the world of social media and beyond this week. Let's get your take on that, Dan. What have you made of Sean O'Brien's comments? Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of those comments um, at all. I think. Obviously, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I just don't think there's any need there's any need for him to to come out with with comments like that, really. And they seem a little bit throwaway. With you know, he felt that the Lions could win three nil. I mean, it's it's you know, it's a tour against New Zealand on a ridiculous schedule. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm not 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 too happy about it to be honest. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. I think first and foremost, I think it is good that he's come out with honest opinions. Because I think we all too often are bemoaning players for just giving us sound bites and kind of media friendly, I guess, kind of quite anodyne opinions. So to actually hear something that, you know, is, is clearly kind of born out of, born out of passion rather than anything else, like, you know, is, is certainly different. But that said. Where does I, it come from though? It's just all of a sudden. It's just, it's, what, what, you know, what, what prompted this? I mean, yeah, it does. It does seem strange, kind of this far down the line, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know actually. I don't know what the answer to that one is, and it, for me, it just it, it kind of sours things a bit because you know, like I say, I think for most fans, you look back on that as a successful tour. Like you said, it was a really tough schedule. It was a scratch side, some really strong players in there, of course, but at the same time, it was against the hardest opponents of all. You know, New Zealand are one of the best sides in world sport. They're comfortably the best rugby side in the world. And to go down to their ter- to their turf and to pick up a draw, I don't know, it, it just seems massive throwaway to go, oh yeah, well, we could have won it under another coach. I think the reality is, is you needed a bit of luck to get out of that with a draw, which the Lions undoubtedly had. But that's the bit that I find I find kind of very strange. Yeah, and I... I... I'm with you. I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, um, I mean, I just think with the Lions especially that you need to keep the whole sort of, you know, the whole sort of mantra and, and sort of, uh, sort of ethos of the Lions is, you know, it is a little bit, it is, there's a little bit of the old school in there, isn't mm-hmm. there? And, and this is, this is definitely new school with coming out and, you know, voicing your opinions. I think that needs to be kept. Behind closed doors, they must have had a debrief and gone through with every single player, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses of the tour, you know, SWOT analysis. I, you know, his comments that, you know, he's come out with, um, 
he, he wrote sort of a, a tweet, didn't he, that said that he's, he's come out with these because, you know, um, he wants, you know, he wants future tours to, to sort of learn from this or, or pick up from bits. But he was also pre, you know, he was very complimentary of other parts, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I just don't think it needs, I think it should all be behind closed doors with, especially with the Lions. Um, that's my opinion on it. I, I don't like the fact that he's come out and voiced, um, and, and, and voiced, you know, his bit. I think it could be because of the, the times we're in, maybe that, uh, you know, they could have a chat with all the players about what they liked, what they disliked, and then maybe, maybe come out with it publicly, yeah, with, with, Maybe that would be a different a different way of doing things because from here now we're probably going to have other comments from from players and you also you can't please everyone you're never going to please everyone on a tour like that um, especially when you've got you know all the all the nations coming together um, but I'd I'd like to think that the vast majority of players that went on the you know that went on the uh, went on that trip were delighted with uh, with how everything went yeah really, it's, you know yeah I do and. I'd like to think that was the case as well. One man in particular seemed to bear the brunt of the criticism, though, and that was Wales attack coach Rob Howley. No stranger to no stranger to this podcast is <laughs> is criticism aimed at Rob Howley. What did you make, particularly in relation to the comments about Howley and the the perception that come the second test, it was Sexton and Farrell who were really driving training in the lead up to that. I, th- I think when you've got a, you know, number tens like, like those two with that, with a wealth of experience, you're going to, you're going to want your tens to drive the training sessions. Um, I, I, you know, I think to think that you're going to have, you know, Rob Howdy as, as attack coach, you know, literally leading the sessions, you're going to want the players to stand up, especially in those key positions and, and, and lead from the front because they're going to be dictating the, the way in which the game's played on the park. So again, ridiculous comments for me. Just think it's, it's, it's not, you know, they're not smart comments. They're not well thought out. Yeah. I think the fact that they're not thought out is probably the, or perhaps he hadn't thought of the, the repercussions of making comments like that. Because again, you know, as I say, he's, in, he's entitled to his opinion on that. And I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of people in Wales who feel very similar about Howley and the impact that he has on that he has on the the back line that he's got at his disposal. Generally, you know, it's, he's, I, I would say he's, you know, he's received a, a fair amount of criticism, particularly from fans in relation to the way that the team is, is coached and, and what he's able to get out of those backs. Now, obviously you and I both have an opinion on that and we're not, you know, we're not privy to, to what is actually going on in training. So to hear it from someone, I mean, admittedly he's not a back, but he's a damn sight closer to the training camp than you and I are. Again, it doesn't reflect well on Howley, even if, even if it's not, you know, it's not painting Sean O'Brien in the best light either. Yeah, I don't, but I don't think Rob Howley will take a blind bit of notice of it, to be honest. Um, he's had, as you said, he's had so much criticism from, you know, from the Welsh public, um, that I'm sure he'll be able to handle this. And the way in which O'Brien said it as well just makes it a little bit laughable. Yeah. Um, so I, it's easy to think, isn't it, that it'd be easy for us to say, oh, you know, I, I can, I can well imagine that's the case that Howley, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't given any direction and, 
was uh, was a little bit weak and, and, and timid and all those things. But because of what we know in the past, but who knows? You know, we weren't we weren't we weren't there, were we? And especially with the likes of the likes of Farrell though and Sexton, they're never going to be shrinking violets, are they? They're always going to want to. No, lead. you wouldn't want them to. And no, exactly. And you want you'd want to empower them. So much of the game is is you know is built around. Um, was, was, you know, ended up being built around those two that if they, if they're taking, my stance on it is if they're, if in training they are, they are taking exactly how the management wants it to go, then you're not going to, you're not going to stop them. Mm. They're only going to stop them if there's an issue. So, you know, they're, they're, they're taking them in a, in a, in a, in a style that the, the Lions coaches didn't want them to, didn't want them to play, but obviously, Farrell and Sexton know were absolutely in tune with the coaches. That's how I'm taking it anyway. And um, there was no need to there was no need to butt in. If anything, you could say it was it, it could have been fantastic management because you don't just want to be stopping them all the time if they're if they're completely in tune. So there, there's a there's a flip side to it. But would he have not just said that? You know, if that if that was the case, would he have said? You know, I don't see what the agenda is there for Sean to. O'Brien. Do you know what I mean? I don't. He's not a player who's got an axe to grind. He wasn't left out of the squad. You know, he didn't, he, you know, he, he ended up starring in the test series, if anything. So it's not like I feel like he's got a particular axe to grind. So I don't know really why you wouldn't look at his comments and say that there must be some element of, of truth in there. I think particularly when you look at the backs, I mean, again, he's like I say, he's not, you know, he's not a back, but at the same time, he's in that training environment. And I think if he'd have seen that, Howley was relinquishing control to to Sexton and Farrell in a you know in kind of like a delegated way and going no right I want you guys to lead this then I don't think he'd have made those comments. Yeah, well, possibly. I mean, that's it. We just don't know, though, do we? No, we don't. Um, which is what I think makes it fascinating. I mean, that someone in maybe the camp there was is more, actually saying this. Yeah, maybe there was more going on in the camp that you know the. The backs, you know, maybe, maybe all the backs weren't happy and, uh, he's just come out and, and voiced, but you would have thought that he would have said something along those lines that, you know, there's a lot more to this or a lot more people to think in the same thing. I'm not going to name names, but, um, why would he, why would he come out with it? Um, you know, over, over anybody else. It's just, it's just a bit peculiar. I'm sure more will, more will come out from this now over the next, uh, next few weeks. I hope given, it doesn't, though. I, I hope that's just the end of it. Given that Howley is a, you know, is a senior member of the coaching team, do you expect a response from any of the players in the in the Welsh camp? You know, I, I, I'm thinking particularly when we head on towards the autumn internationals. Would you expect a response, a bit of solidarity from a, a Warburton and Alan Wynne Jones, or even someone in the back, so Dan Bigger, perhaps? Do you think that's something that that might happen? Yeah, I think so. It'll, it'll, it'll add a little bit of needle to the. You know, certainly to the uh, to the Wales Island fixtures, and it does quite often happen. You know, the the Irish are quite often coming out with these comments, aren't they? Um, there's, there's never normally a shortage of needle in the lead up to that fixture. I think it's the last couple of years it's kind of died down a bit. Just just when you thought, you know, you thought perhaps <laughs> that fixture wasn't quite the uh, the grudge match that it once was. It feels like you're back to you're back to the old days yeah. again. Maybe O'Brien just thought, oh, you know, I'll just wind this up a little bit. A few throwaway comments just to just to uh, get it going, but we've had, you know, we've had Keith Wood of you know, Willie John McBride of all sorts, you know, over the years. So, you know, Sean O'Brien, you know, it's, it's a case of who's next, isn't it? Um, 
but I think the 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 Welsh boys, and I'd like to think that a lot of the other guys as well would be a bit disappointed with someone coming out and breaking the silence, really. Um, and I know in this era, you know, everyone wants to hear, you know, exactly what's going on. But I just think with Alliance, it's one of those, it's one of those tours, it's it's one of those clubs that you just need to keep, keep keep a fair bit of it behind closed doors, and. Um, you know, and 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 the players can keep that between you know between themselves and the coaches. Well, yeah, we'll see if there is a, if there is a response in the the weeks to come. I suppose you should should bring it back to some uh, action on the pitch now, really, shouldn't we? Because there is no shortage of that. We better add, yeah. We better add, yeah, in relation to the to the Welsh regions. Going to start with the games on Friday night. We did it chronological last week. I think we'll, we'll stick to that order as well. So. First and foremost, did you find it a tricky one to know which game to watch on Friday night? There was a choice of two televised games. So the Ospreys away at Benetton and Dragons B team away at, away at Ulster. Was that, a, was that a tricky, uh, tricky one for you? Well, I think I picked the wrong game. I went for, uh, went for the Ospreys match. Um, but I actually wish I'd watched the, uh, watched the Dragons game. Um, because I think probably more came out of the Dragons match than uh, than it did the Ospreys, but uh, yeah, maybe we'll maybe well maybe we disagree on that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I opted to I opted to watch Ospreys as well because I think as much as I'd generally always prefer to be watching the Dragons, it's you know I, I just think with 13 changes to the side, I felt like that was that was only going to go one way. I thought well the Ospreys they'll be they'll be more that will come out of that. So I thought for the purposes of watching this, I would watch the Ospreys live and then watch the Dragons afterwards. But the god-awful Ospreys performance, which we'll come on to in a minute, yeah, really wasn't much fun. And then afterwards to watch your own side knowing that you've been pumped uh, in a in a pretty bad performance full of, you know, full of the B team or the, the A team, whatever you want to call it, uh, out there playing, again, wasn't a particularly fun way to end uh to end Friday night, but nonetheless, no shortage of uh, no shortage of talking points on each of those. So we're going to start with the Ospreys. <sighs> I mean, really, don't know what to be a short one. Well, I don't know, or it could be a really long one. I genuinely, I think that may have been the worst performance I've ever seen from an Osprey side. It was it was bad, very bad. Um, huge amounts of handling errors, wasn't it? There was basic, they couldn't string two or three passes together. And that just strikes me. It looked like a pub site. It did. And you look at the class in that team, you know, right the way through the back line and the forwards, you've got bucket loads of Lions and internationals in those teams. You've got, you know, some really talented youngsters and some experienced regional players. There is no, no excuse at all for the, for the backs to be struggling with just basic ball skills. I found I found it really, really strange. I tweeted at half time that it was like watching a, a Rob Howley led Wales performance and it got worse than that. Oh, it got much worse than that. Apparently uh, Sean O'Brien picked up on that, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know if he was watching, he might have seen the similarities, but you two are in cahoot. <laughs> I just think it was an it was an awful result for them. You know, if you like I say, you look at that team sheet there's no way that they shouldn't be um, they shouldn't be much more competitive than that because they just didn't look like winning the game, and it was a really terrible performance. I honestly can't see anything. It looked as if they didn't want to be there. They did look they like as that. If, yeah, I, I, the, the, 
the passing was awful. Uh, the amount of drop, you know, dropped passes, knock-ons. It was, yeah, it was, it was, you got, you, you went, it's, it seems harsh saying schoolboy, wasn't it? It was really, really poor. There was, um, they couldn't break, they couldn't break their line at all. There was no, I didn't think there was any, um, any width on the ball at all, could they? Mm. They were trying to go out to, um, Hassler and, uh, he just, he, he was just looking for contact all the time. Mm. Far too upright, and and they were holding them up and doing a job on him, but the ball kept on coming out to him, and uh, yeah, there was no, uh, they were clueless to be honest, rudderless. There was no no game plan at all. I didn't know what they were trying to achieve, um, and you know, Benetton. I thought I thought they played poorly, actually. Did you um, see? I, I don't yeah, know. I thought they I were did. just. I thought they were more. Streetwise than the Ospreys, and I think well, they, they, were, look, but they was... look a better. They look a better team than they have for a long while. Uh, uh, for me, the Ospreys made them made them look decent by just running, you know, running just such simple lines. Um, uh, and you know, yeah, they t- you know they you know Benetton obviously they tackled their hearts out, 176 tackles. You know, it's, it's it's impressive. It's an impressive stat, but you know. It's it's very very easy to tackle someone if you're running head on time and time again, and all the body angles were wrong. Um, again, there was no energy to their game, and we've said that we've said that since the start of the uh, start of the season. They've um, they need you know, and we I thought that you know with bigger coming back in, just having Alan Wynn actually you know on the bench then I know he came on mm. right about the 55th minute, but just having him in that you know in the area. Would have, would have made a massive difference, and it, it didn't, did it? Reese Webb looked looked poor. Um, none of them, none of them looked as if they wanted to be out there at all. So what has gone wrong then? Because this is not the this is not the Ospreys that we're used to seeing. I think you know sometimes you might you might criticise the Ospreys of the past and said, well, you know they they are a touch too direct and they could use a bit more guile in the back line, but you're not used to watching them get so easily out-muscled and just their attack completely absorbed in that way. So what has gone wrong? Well, a lot of the Ospreys fans, uh, you know, want, want, uh, want Tamley to move on, don't yeah. they? There's, a, there's huge numbers of, uh, of the O's fans saying that. Um, it, yeah, it does look as if something's not quite right. Although, you know, when the players... You know, when the players aren't actually fronting up, mm. there's there's you know there's very little that a coach can do um, on that. But I mean, if I do think there's stuff going on off the you know off the off the pitch because their their heads just seem to be in they're not they're not sort of a collective unit at the moment. It's it's they're all they're all playing. They're playing as individuals, aren't they? They're not. There's no. They're not gelling at all. There doesn't seem to be a game plan that they all know. Which, which the Ospreys have been have been renowned for, haven't they? Over the years, they've always known how they're going to play. You could almost bet your bottom dollar. Okay, they're going to be, you know, they're going to front up, be very physical, and um, you know, score some, you know, sc- score some decent tries from you know the likes of Dan Evans on you know breaking the line and you know players like that. But they've even even their sort of go-to players are, are off are off song at the moment. So um, it makes you think that there has to be some major off-field um, antics going on. Um, 
and Griff, you know, and 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 the, you know Tandy as well in his interviews, he looks, he's never jumping for joy, is he? Yeah. Um, but he looks really sort of disheartened, and 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 quite frankly, he looks he looks depressed, isn't he? And down. Is he going to um, be able to turn it around there? That's the question. They've got a tough game up next. So, in fact, they're already out in, in Bloemfontein ahead of their fixture next week against the Cheetahs. Now, we've, yeah, that's, again, we've been, you know, we've said in the previous couple of weeks that the South African sides had struggled to make an impact on the, the tournament. Well, the Cheetahs changed all that uh, over the weekend and romped away with it against Leinster, who, yeah, what as we know, are, you know, are one of the best sides in the league. So, I can't imagine it's a place they'd be particularly, you know, it's not, again, it's not an easy fixture to follow up a performance like that. Yeah, not at all. Um, they'll, yeah, it's not, they're not going to be looking forward to, to this trip, are they? Um, they don't look as if they want to be around each other either. And that's obviously a, a bit of traveling going on to get, you know, to get over there. They desperately need a win. Um, and I, 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 you know, I can't quite see a win coming at the moment for them. Well, based on what based on what we've seen so far, you know, they've got the one win to their name, which was a fairly unconvincing victory over Zebra. Other than that, you know, I thought they were pretty comprehensively outplayed against Glasgow, and then the performance against Treviso or Benetton, as you quite rightly point out. I'm not sure why it is Benetton there, and the, the Treviso bit we can't use, but I won't, won't dwell on that. If anyone does know. Let me know, but that story certainly slipped past me. The fact that it's it's Benetton there, I digress. But yeah, that performance was certainly one that will cause more and more problems for uh, for Osprey supporters. So I think it's a really really tough one. And if they lose against the Cheetahs, you know, to to have just one win to show after um, after those opening weeks, I don't think that's good enough from a from a squad with that caliber of player. Jen, what would you do to we're going out to the cheetahs. What do you think they need to do? If I'm who? If I'm Tandy? If you're, or if I'm, if you're Tandy, or if I'm yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what you can do because it feels to me like you've said it feels as though there's something wrong in the dressing room because that was a, such a disjointed performance. There were individuals and and individuals that weren't particularly performing. So. I really don't know what he's going to be able to do to to turn that round in the space of a week. You, I don't think wholesale changes is is going to help because you've got um, you've got a side that has really, you know, it wasn't like it was a, a weak side that they fielded on um, on Friday night. It was a side that you would expect to be able to go over there and do a job in Italy. So I don't think wholesale changes is going to help, but I think you have to, as we said before, you know, you, they've got to, they've got to start Alan Wynne Jones and you've got yes. to hope that he's able to, to pull something together because regardless of what may or may not be going on in the dressing room, Alan Wynne Jones isn't the kind of man who's going to want to be associated with that kind of performance. Yeah, Alan Wynne, yeah, absolutely. Alan Wynne Jones has to start, doesn't he? I'd, I'd call, you, you, they need to call a, uh, a meeting with the senior players mm-hmm. um, very, very quickly and and get all those guys, you know, firing and working towards, you know, working towards uh, getting the team, getting the team back on track. And there's, they can, e- they can do it. It, it. It's, 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 it is, should be an easy fix. There's enough, there's enough quality players there 
to 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 sort this out. It's not like you know, it's not like they're poor players, is it? And then they're not going to, you know, they haven't gone poor overnight. Um, I think they just they've just got to regroup, get together, have an have open chats about what's going on, and then uh, and then move forward and get out to you know get out to South Africa. Maybe it's maybe it's one of those trips that, that you know could define you know could define how they uh, how the rest of the campaign goes for them. You know, and have a bit of bit of bit of time over there, just get away from everything. Put out a big performance and get the whole thing back on track. Yeah, it's an interesting point. It might might actually be better to be away from the Welsh Rugby Goldfish Bowl this week than uh, than right in the midst of it. But um, yeah, one thing's for sure is I don't think that's going to be an easy fixture. And if they do lose it, I think there's going to be even more pressure on on Tandy. Yeah, there will there will be. I think for me. If I was uh, if I was Tandy, I'd go right back to basics and uh, keep it very physical. Play you know p- lots of pick and goes. So for me, in in in, in during that game, they were playing into uh, into Benetton's hands massively by just going through you know passing the ball through the line. And obviously, as we mentioned, the passing was appalling. So it was mm. quite often just behind the player. So just taking just taking that little bit of energy off the ball. Um, so they need to scrap all that. It's not working. They haven't got the, uh, the confidence at the moment. It's just pick and goes. And then literally, um, you know, when, when they build some phases, then go through the hands and they've got good enough players to, you know, to cause a bit of, to cause a bit of mayhem out wide. I thought when they got Ben John on the ball and they were, mm. he was coming down the channel, they seemed to get a little bit of change from that. Um, but Hook was anonymous. Um, you know, Keelan Giles looked looked all right when he had when he had the ball, but he didn't have enough of it. Hasler, I said, looked poor. Um, he was just running into. Running I, into I brick think walls. you could fault Hasler for effort. You know, I, to be honest, but, you, you mentioned there the physicality, and I, what I found really strange was you're right. In the first half, they tried to spin it and put a bit of width on it, and couldn't get any um, couldn't get any joy, and could barely keep the ball in their hands. Second half. They went back to basics, it seemed, and Benetton just soaked it up every time they every time they ran at them. I thought the only player who got a little bit of joy was maybe Autumn when he came off the bench. He seemed to carry well. Autumn, yeah, did play um, well. But it was yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think there's 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 bigger problems than that. Um, but yeah, I think they could, you know, hopefully I know bigger picked up a, a knock um, off the back of a. Um, there was the base of his base of his back, wasn't it? In the the first yeah, half, yeah, he got dumped, didn't he? He did. He got I think, dumped on his back. Yeah, I think hopefully back that's spasm. It didn't, it didn't sound. Yeah, hopefully that it'll be past the the worst of that, and I get him and Alan Wynne Jones in the team straight away. I think I get I think I get Otten in from the start or Parry. I think they need a really big ball carrier, and I, Baldwin doesn't look in the best of form at the moment. Um, again, we said it before; they miss our hip when uh, when he's injured. You know, it, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't look the same side up front when he's not around. But they're gonna to have to get used to that. Just yeah, just not not all clicking at the moment. And behind the scrum, um, yeah, like you said, Hook didn't look. You know, really didn't look particularly impressive. You know, I wonder whether they'll go back to Corey Allen at twelve. I'd like to see Owen Watkin at some point too, because you know I think he's, he's coming been, in. He's got a bright yeah, he's future. Back into fitness, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he is, and, and hopefully we'll, it won't be too long till we till we get to have a glimpse at him. But yeah, I think there's there's big problems there, and yeah, yeah. Currently, Owen, uh, Owen Walking, yeah, he was a difference. He was a difference the other week down there. 
down at the brewery field that uh, one of my pals Jamie was down there watching yeah. and uh, he said he looked he looked sharp. But coming back to the Hasler thing, he he uh um, he does he does he always plays hundred and ten percent. But I think if you play if you if you're trying to play wide, he's not the guy he's not the guy you want to go to. Um he just hasn't he's not quick enough. Um mm. but um yeah Hook Hook looked to Hook was all at sea because he didn't know how the Ospreys how the Ospreys wanted to play. Um they had so much ball in there they should have they should have won that game. There's yeah, no definitely. way they shouldn't have won that they shouldn't have won that game. And but if they I feel like they could have they, carried on playing now and they still wouldn't have scored a try. They just didn't look like it. You know, it just didn't look um, like they were they were going to create. The they did some silly. They they did some silly things there, didn't they? Silly, you know. It's uh, it's it's just to me. Benetton kept on something else. It was crying out for was a little dingo with a top because mm. they were rushing up very very quickly. And as we said, the defence was strong, but you know, you've got to vary the game. Little little dink so little, little dink so top of the two centres, knowing exactly what the ten is going to do. Um, yeah, there was well. They were uh, they were very poor, weren't they? So hopefully things can only uh, can only get better. Yeah, well, hopefully, but I, I I do get the feeling things are going to get worse before they get better for the Ospreys. But we'll find out next week, and obviously we'll be reacting to that on next week's show. Also, as we said, the other game on Friday night was uh, Dragons away at Ulster. Now you've not seen this one, have you? I haven't. No. No. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like I say, apart not... from the length of the field try, I caught that. Yeah, which. You know, I think certainly gave uh, certainly gave Dragons fans something to to cheer about. I think generally the the scoreline flattered the Dragons in that one. You know, they were comfortably outplayed. Ulster battered them from the start, gave away some soft soft tries. There was a a horror show of a debut for the new centre Palamo from or Palermo from uh, who's just joined from Bristol. You know, he didn't look didn't look particularly comfortable for me, and I I think you know he's. Hopefully he's going to have better games than that because it really wasn't um, wasn't a night to remember from him. Um, so yeah, it really wasn't a particularly um, it wasn't a particularly positive game, you know. But I think the the kind of the, the level of realism that comes with that is when you do change thirteen players, particularly when you've got a squad as as thin as the Dragons have. I think you can you can expect a bit of a a bit of a hammering really, and I think Jackman knew exactly what he was doing, and I think he he was prepared to sacrifice that game uh, in order to target uh, the Kings next week. Which again, you look at them; they've had a they've had a, another loss. Um, so you look at them and think, right, there's there's a definite opportunity for a scalp there, and then they've got the Blues in Cardiff the week after that. So you know, two massive games coming up. Um, so you know, I think it's if if they get two wins out of those two, then this game is very quickly forgotten. But um, I don't know. I suppose it does leave. It's, it's clearly left a bit of a bad taste in in the mouths of a few people that he seemingly is you know has kind of sacrificed that game. So, what's your take on what's your take on you know fielding a really weakened side in order to prioritise games in the following week? I think it's very sensible and pragmatic when you've got a squad like the Dragons have got. Um, I also don't think it's, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of Dragons fans have said it's, you know, possibly a waste, you know, waste of time going, you know, going, going over that. I even read one comment that said that, you know, you might as well just forfeit the game, you know, not, not, not turn up. There's a lot that, there's a lot that Jackman would have seen from that game. Like you mentioned, the centre, for instance. Um, what happens if he played against the Cheetahs and, and, and the Dragons have found out that he was, you know, 
you needed a run of you know three or four games mm. at, at that sort of level and intensity to to you know to get up to scratch, or maybe they'd work out that he's not he's not the player that they thought he was. So for me, um, it was it, it, it was the right thing to do. Um, Jackman knew exactly what he was doing. There's no doubt about that, and he would have seen he would have taken some positives out of a number of the performances. Um, I read a little bit about the uh, the, the the nine uh, came on in the second half. Barney had yeah, a great game. Yeah, Blacker did well, and Blacker, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so he's he's currently uh, on loan from from our neighbours down the road in Cardiff, and yeah. I think yeah, he he acquitted himself he's a well, product, isn't he? As well. and, yeah, and um, caused uh, did cause some some problems when he came on. Ollie Griffiths went well again, you know, and I think it was good for him to get another to get another game under his belt and lead in the side out. You know, he's a, he's a really classy operator and he's going to be massively important to the Dragons. They just look a, you know, they they look a much better back row when when Griffiths is part of it because he's a proper out and out fetcher. He's he's strong, he's deceptively strong, and he's you know he's quick and he's a really bright footballer. So you know he's massively important to him. So it's good for him to get another run out. And I thought he was probably all in all Dragon's best player. So, you know, there were there were a few things, but all in all it's a it's a training game and for me, like I say, it's all forgotten in a couple of weeks if they're able to pick up two wins in those in those winnable fixtures. You know, keep yes, but it, do you do you do you agree that it's it's quite a sensible move to, to I think to it's a pragmatic done. move. I think he had to do it just given the um you know, if they'd have gone into that game and lost with a with a first team, and they'd have picked up injuries to to some of the key players, you know, if if Henson had got injured, or if Corey Hill, or um, you know, or Leon Brown, in some of these areas that were really really thin, then you know, we'd be in a much worse position now. So it's not ideal. I think what you want is, you know, if we're able to get those wins, like I say, I think it's forgotten in a couple of weeks. And most importantly, what you want is in certainly in 12 months time, we're going into this fixture going, okay, we're changing a few, but we're comfortable that we've got good enough talent throughout the whole of this squad to be able to, to rotate a few players in and out and, you know, not sacrifice the game in doing so. So, you know, I think I would say you've got to be patient at points this, this season, the win against Connacht was much needed, and and that's definitely had a would have had a positive effect on the team and on the on the region as a whole. This game, you know, I don't think it undoes the, the expectations were really low. You know, I don't think anyone expected expected us to get a result out there. Um, it wasn't a good performance, but I think it's the kind of performance you'd expect from a side that's got thirteen changes in it. So, yeah, like but, I say, but if you look at that. I, I think, you know, arguably you could say that it that it that it was quite a quite a good performance, really, knowing you know the number of changes that have been made. Mm. Just purely looking at the, uh, you know, purely looking at the scoreboard, then, and so many of those players would have got a would have got a, a great amount out of that. Um, for me, it's great. For me, it's great coaching. He's, it, it's quite. He would have known that he would have come in for a little bit of flack for that, mm. and he's just stuck to his guns. He knows the squad. He also knows there's no there's no strength in depth. He's made that call, and when when the wins come for the Dragons, which I'm absolutely convinced there will be, um, there'll be further wins. He won't need to mention it. 
but those people will those people in the know will know it's come about from smart management because he's got to look after his um he's got to look after the core of the squad because it's so thin it is and yeah you know like i think you're quite right it's it's not an ideal scenario but i do think it's i do think it's shrewd coaching because there's just no real option and the two games that they've got coming up are, um, are definitely winnable, like we said a couple of times. So I think I think we're going to get the win next week uh, against the Kings, and I think that's going to have a, I think that's going to have a, another really good. You know, that will be two home wins on the spin if we're able to do that. And I, you know, I, th- I think that's the that's the important thing. And then going into next season when you've recruited a bit stronger, you're not in this position again. So fingers crossed that'll be the case. Yeah, definitely. I'm going for a win as well. Good stuff. Right, let's have a look at the games from Saturday now. And we'll start with the Saturday afternoon kickoff, which was Connacht versus Cardiff Blues. Now, you and I said last week that if there is a time you want to go out to Connacht, it's probably early on in the season because it's not going to be the uh, the cliched wet and windy weather in Galway. And sure enough, there was an unbelievable wind and it hammered it down throughout the game. So the usual challenging conditions over there. But it ended up being a very exciting game and, uh, yeah, really exciting finish to the game in particular. Yeah, it was um, it was quite staccato, wasn't it, the game? Mm. Um, fairly sort of stop-start. It was very, very combative, um, sort of very physical, um, with with a couple of moments of, of, of brilliance, really, from um, Halaholo, wasn't it? And, yeah. Um, it was it was it was quite an enjoyable watch. Um, I didn't think it was fantastic, fantastic rugby, um, but it was a right old ding dong, a bit of a sort of an, an old fashioned star game yeah. um, with um, you know quite a quite a lot of, sort of dark arts on display as well going on throughout the ball. I thought that the uh, the um, the Connet Kind of pack were up to all sorts mm. in the line out. They were just nudging, they were nudging card, the, the Blues when they were going up for the ball. And I think they only got pinned for it uh, once. But um, yeah, it was quite, I was quite enjoying looking at the, looking at the sort of the, the off the ball stuff that was going on. But um, yeah, you know, it was still an enjoyable game, wasn't it? It was. And a great win. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned it being kind of an old fashioned game. Usually, though, in those kind of games, the side, the more physical side, ends up the victor. Now, I thought Connacht were by far and away the the more physical of the two teams. I thought they had, they won the collisions. I thought throughout the game, I thought they made, you know, particularly in the second half, they made a lot of yards very easily. And yeah, I think you're right. It really kind of came down to a couple of moments of, a couple of moments of. Brilliance from Halaholo showing the damage he can cause, and you know I suppose that yellow card in the in the first half definitely uh, definitely made a a difference. But yeah, I, I think that'll come as a massive relief to Cardiff Blues because I actually don't think I don't think they played as well this week as they did last. But they ended up on the they ended up on the winning side this time, and I think that'll be just to break the duck is a massive. Um, Will be a massive relief for them. Yeah, Blues will be Blues will be delighted with that. With um, to be honest, I for me with the performance, the effort levels, um, and and it goes without saying with the win, they they looked as if they're a team that, that that didn't they really didn't want to lose. Mm. 
they gave absolutely everything. It was a massive defensive effort. Um, pack were really impressive. Um, the set piece went, went well as well. You know, line outs went well. Um, Seb Davis was superb again, wasn't he? Absolutely everywhere. Um, showed a few glimpses, glimpses of, um, he played, I think he played at 10 and 12 in his younger, um, in his younger days. That step that, you know, when he went through the gap, <laughs> lovely little step. Um, probably hasn't got the pace that he used to have, but he was a right old nuisance again, wasn't he? Um, and I thought for Halaholo's try on the 37th minute, Cuthbert ran a really important line, um, just, just behind, just made the, made the defense think twice, which then allowed, uh, Shingler to put that flat pass in and, uh, and off, uh, off Halaholo went and just stepped the, stepped the full back and he was in. But a lovely, a lovely, um, a lovely line from, holding line from, uh, from Cuthbert there. Um, and uh yeah the blues you know it was a, it was a it was a really impressive sort of defensive performance so their line speed was great as well i think that's the, the whole, i think that's undoubtedly positive is for a long time we said they've been you know they were they were leaking tries all throughout last season and i think the you know it's it's kind of easy to put it down to the the Sean Edwards effect but they have been a, a definitely a much better side defensively than they have been for a couple of seasons yeah Huge difference, huge difference. Um, and there was a number of uh, a number of good performances within there. For Tal Felice, it was, was great. Um, how how in earth he's, he's the age he is, I I don't know. Yeah, but he just was, seems to keep was, on going, doesn't he? Yeah, great engine. I mean, he's putting himself around the park, isn't he? Um, and um, yeah, he was he was yeah he was he was great. I was delighted delighted with. Um, with that win, I still think the the Blues are they don't quite know what they're doing in attack, and it is yeah, it I, is a couple of moments of brilliance that 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 have made you know made them look as if they can break the line. Obviously, Singler made a couple of a couple of uh, darts as well, didn't he? But um, you know, I suppose apart from that, the final try where um, you know Jared you know Jared took the ball, looked up, went right, and um, there was there was there was an enormous space overlap, over there, wasn't there? Yeah, there was loads. Yeah, so they they seemed to quicken up quicken up the play. Um, I thought Lloyd had a very very strong game. Um, controlled the first half brilliantly. His kicking from the base was fantastic in diff- very very difficult conditions, as you said about the wind. Yeah, um, lots of covering tackles. Um, you know, he's playing like a like a sort of sweeper role at times. It's a big performance from him. They mentioned this was, on the coverage. I th- yeah, I thought defensively he was good, and his kick in was was decent, given given the uh, yeah, given how challenging it was. Um, I still don't think he's in tip top form. I think is I think there's a lot more to come from him, and I'm I'm just a bit surprised in general that we haven't seen a bit more of of Thomas Williams. I thought one of these games he would have started, but he hasn't um, today. But I think that was definitely Lloyd Williams' best performance of the season so far, and. Yeah, and, and I think that definitely had a difference because it's, you know, in a, in a game like that, your kicking game has got to be spot on because the wind makes such a massive difference throughout the whole of the game. Yeah, he was making, he was making a lot of yardage off, off really tight and difficult kicks. Um, and over there, you, you've got to silence that crowd a bit, haven't you, as well? And, um, very, very difficult place to go. So Blues will be delighted and Danny Wilson, I'm sure, will be sleeping a lot better this week. 
Well, um, say sleeping a lot better. Interesting story that's breaking today, though, that apparently there's some interest from Northampton Saints in the uh, in the English Premiership that um, they're potentially interested in bringing him on board as as forwards coach. Now, he's got a couple of years left to run on his contract, having signed an extension fairly you know fairly recently, only last year. So, interesting one, this one. Um, could you see that happening? If if the off if an offer comes in, mm. I I don't think he'd be able to turn that down, um, especially with uh, with everything that's um, all the off the field stuff that's happening at the you know the Blues. Um, you know his head will definitely be turned, and we obviously know the money is going to be pretty strong if uh, if they're to move him over. So if that is true, then yeah, he'll 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 be having a very very good look at it. Do you think? Do you think he would do that? Because you know, obviously he's got he's got a head coach role now. To it kind of seems like a bit of a, a step back on paper, but still think he'd be tempted. I do think he'd be tempted. Yeah, if the you know if the money's if the money's right, um, then uh, then yeah, it, 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 it's because of because of all the stuff that's going on. You know, the Blues are in in a real pickle, aren't they? Mm. Um, you know, financially, so he's gonna. He hasn't got just himself to consider. He's got his family and everything else. So yeah, he'll. he'll I don't think it'll matter whether it's. Uh, um, I suppose technically a step down. Mm. Um, if he's got the security of, uh, you know, of a decent, of a, of a, re, of, a of a strong contract, but he'd be looking for longer than you know, he'd be looking for probably three or four years, wouldn't he? Or at least three years then. Yeah, and I think on the on the finance front as well, presumably there'd have to be some kind of compensation for buying him out of his contract, which, you know, like we said, they're not in they're not in a, in good nick at all financially, Cardiff Blues, and again that could be something that even just eases a bit of short term pressure, even if it does leave them without a head coach. Yeah, I mean it's certainly not it's certainly not going to be uh, not going to be what uh, what the, what the, what the Blues want because it's another. You know, be another head coach gone, mm. and obviously they've been rattling through coaches, uh, you know, for various reasons, you know, over the last few years. So um, I really hope, I really hope it doesn't happen because he's clearly a good coach, isn't he? Um, and you know, that win as well over there is is even more. It's not remarkable, but it's 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 a great, great, uh, a great, great win when you when you look at the number of injuries that the Blues the Blues have got. We've got players playing in, you know, they've got guys on loan and all sorts of things. So it's it's not easy for them. It's not. And another trip to Ireland next week when they take on Munster, which again is a really tough. They've had a they've had a really tough start to the season in terms of in terms of fixtures. It must ease the pressure a little bit going over to Munster, knowing that they've at least got the win in the bag now. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you know the the the, the you know the Blues won't fear won't fear Munster. Um, I'm expecting them to put in another another good performance. And if they're you know if they're winning, if they're up for it like they were on the weekend and wanting to win every single one of those battles, and they just play you know a sensible game, which they did play. It was quite a controlled game from from nine and ten. Mm. Um, then they've got they've got every chance. You know, pack. You know, the pack is playing well. Uh, the winning. You know, the line-out's functioning. Um, scrum. You know, scrum's decent. 
so they can they can do a job and then with the you know with the boys in the centre there you just don't know they're an absolute box of tricks aren't they you don't know whether uh, whether they're going to produce some magic or, uh, or 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 potentially drop the ball but they play they had big defensive games as well they were really strong in defence mm. and I think for the for the Blues they just need to to play not the style of game that they really want to play which is a fast flowing you know, um, from left to right game using the width. They need to, for me, they need to keep, keep it fairly tight and they could surprise a number of teams this year from a really doggy defense. Um, they're, they're out of their line, you know, really, really quickly out of the traps. Um, and just literally, you know, pin, pin the ball in the, pin the ball in the corners and play, um, play, I suppose what we would call a bit of boring rugby. Well, if you're going to play um, boring rugby, you're probably best advised to not have Halahola and Lilo together in the centre because they're not the most predictable, as you've said. But yeah, we'll see how they get on against uh, against Munster next week. I think I think that's going to be a difficult one for them. I think Munster will just they'll prove too powerful. I think, but we'll uh, we'll find out on that one soon enough. Uh, just to finish the weekend's action, then another win for the Scarlets, bonus point win at home to Edinburgh, game that. Yeah, I think they they produced some more scintillating rugby again for me, um, but it was built off another really really strong performance in the pack. So, yeah, I hats hats off to them. I thought they were comfortably the better sides, even taking into account the the red card. Just another uh, was, that a red, was that a red card for you? I think in this day it is, isn't it? Um, it was for me. I, I think it is. Think you know, I, I don't think he's think. intentionally gone in to hurt him, but. When you end up getting shoulder shoulder to the head, I just think that now that is a red card. I, you know, I think we've we've just got to accept that that's going to be the case. And um, it's dangerous enough, isn't it? It without, is dangerous without stupid play like that. I thought, yeah, it looked it looked nasty on his back as well. You know, the way he sort of bent mm. bent back. Um, you know, I, you know, Garrett, he didn't get himself in the in the in the best position, did he? He sort of left himself a little bit exposed there, but like a meerkat. Um, but um, yeah, it was quite. That was nasty. That was definitely red. It was nasty, but again, like I say, I don't. I, I think they would have won the game if it was fifteen on fifteen. I yeah, it's disappointing that it was a red fifteen, fifteen as well. Yeah, disappointing that that uh, he did he did that and was off that was off the park because it was um, it was quite a battle, wasn't it? It was halfbacks. I thought for me were outstanding. I thought uh, before um, before he went off, I thought Gareth Davis looked to be back to the Gareth Davis of old, and I thought Patchell just he, he played. You know, we we criticised a bit last week for saying that overplayed. I thought his kicking game was great on Saturday, and when they go, they really, really do go, and he just gets the best. A couple out of Barrett's kicks, wasn't it? Hmm. They'd be like Barrett there with those crossfield kicks. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was he, like Barrett-esque, wasn't it? You know, the, the one yeah. that Steph Evans took, I thought they were going to get another trial off the back of. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that, um, yeah, Gareth, he, he, when he, you know, when he burst through, um, he looked as if um, he didn't quite have the pace of... Uh, yeah, he did, actually. He, carrying. he would have made that. You thought, he like, would have, uh, didn't he? in 2014, 2015, you thought Gareth yeah. Davis would have made that. But again, maybe it's just a bit of pre-season rustiness. But what I, lo- rustiness. what I liked about it was the fact that he backed himself and went, right, this is on. You know, he looked up and seeing there's a massive hole, 
let's, let's back myself to take the quick tap and, and get in there. And when he did yeah. get caught, there was no panicking from the Scarlets. Good quick ball. It's over to Patchell. And he's, and again, he's, he's looked up and spotted he's got forwards in front of him and he can make the line. I thought it was, it was great rugby all round and it, it epitomizes what they're, what they're doing at the moment. And as for the, the try that brought the bonus point home when Shingler went over it was just such oh. instinctive rugby. They're so decisive when they, when they make a break. Um, and they, they look like, they look like finishing most of the time. They create lots of opportunities and they, they just always look like they've got tries in them. Yeah, that was that was a beautiful try. Watch that over and over again. Um, I thought that um, Edinburgh had a, had a fair bit of change from coming down Patchell's uh, Patchell's channel again. It is something that teams are picking up on. Um, he doesn't sort of make complete tackles, mm. so he, he'll 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 take the player down, but they'll either wiggle free or, or get the offload. So that is something that. The Scarlets' uh, management, uh, him, him in particular, needs to have a little look at because, you know, better quality sides then will will continue to expose that. But you know, the other parts of his game have, have been absolutely fantastic. Um, but there's, there's a there's a point to look at, I think, with with Patchell. There is. Uh, I also think something that, they can, that he can definitely work on because physically, you know, like we said, he's actually well, he's a big boy. Isn't he's he? big for a fly half. So, and, you know, he's played a lot of rugby at fullback. So I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's a walkover at 10 by any stretch. Um, but you're right. I think they, they did get a bit of change out of it. And it'll be interesting to see if they're able to, um, to make that, you know, just to make that a bit tighter. And if, and if they do, yeah. you know, again, they You could see the cockerel definitely picked up on that. They had Hamish Watson coming down, coming down his channel fairly regularly. He's a um, player as well, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's not. He's not that big. He's just an absolute. He's like a um, like a bouncy ball, isn't he? Just a ball of muscle. Really difficult to stop. And he was over the ball at every opportunity. A right old nuisance. I thought their eight had a great game. He's uh, he's a good boy, isn't he? He's a Bradbury. Uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. I can't remember his first. He's the, he's the skipper this season. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Their, their back rows really impressed me in the, the three games that I've seen of them. Um, yeah, this season, there's the, um, the lad Richie in there as well. I think they've they've got some some real talent there. Um, so yeah, no, I've, I think that, you know they're moving in the right direction actually, Edinburgh. I think, and um, they just they just play it simple, don't they? They play a simple a simple game, and they And I think that's what Cockrell's bought. He's bought yeah. that structure into the side. This is well drilled. Yeah, no, yeah. I think so. And Steph Evans was um, his work rate off the ball. He's, he's, he's gone up. Has gone up a number of levels. So I've gone back to the off the ball stuff. Oh, you, you much prefer a winger to be busy off the ball and actually get the ball yeah. in their hands, isn't he? Oh, he's just he's just fantastic, isn't he? I mean, he's just he's, a, he's he's popping up, popping up all over the shop. Literally at nine, ten, you know, he's, he's everywhere. Yeah. Um, he's so busy, but he had a great game. He did. Um, his feet just impressing. You know, he always managed to yeah. to spin free. Again, he's deceptively strong. He's a really good finisher, player I player I like a lot, and I you know I really hope um, you know I really hope uh, he's able to carry on and stay injury free the whole season. I think I think more international honours will um, will beckon for him. Just while we're on the uh, the international front, uh, there was a player told this week that if he wants to play for Ireland, he'll need to play in Ireland, and uh, that was Tyg Byrne. But my God, another. Phenomenal shift from him. Yeah, he was. 
unbelievable. I mean, the turnovers, everything, the carrying, hard yards, line outs. He was, he's exceptional, isn't he, in that blue scrum cap? I did actually um, see him make a mistake in the first half. We passed the ball into touch. That I think pass, that the first yeah. one I've ever seen from him. I know, I had to double take to say, yeah. is that really good? Um, yeah, it'd be a huge loss, wouldn't it? Absolutely huge loss. Yeah, he, uh, he will be. But in the meantime, I think he's absolutely pivotal to Scarlets, and he kind of epitomises what they've done right. They've um, they've recruited really cleverly and brought in signings that just have the the exact skill set that they need. You know, he yeah. we'd said in the past that Scarlets had been a bit soft up front. You know, if you go back seven seven or eight years, they're playing some lovely rugby behind the scrum, but. He's exactly the kind of player that's brought some real steel and grit to the to the pack. Uh, you know, a few seasoned internationals like Johnny Barkley was has been a you know has been a great addition to that squad and and he's been fantastic for a number of years. Yeah. They're just uh, for me at the moment they are head and shoulders above the other regions in Wales and uh, they they're going to have another another season where they're they're pushing for honours. And as we start edging closer towards European rugby, I think that's going to be fascinating to see how they go in that because I think they've got, although their squad is going to be tested in that competition, they have got quality and abundance to, to go toe-to-toe with the best teams in Europe. Yeah, I can't wait to, can't wait to watch them. A um, couple, couple of other boys I want to pick up on. Mm. I thought McLeod, when he came on, was really, really good. He was. And uh, Ken Owens was, was great. He was really that, that in the second half, you know, like I, a bulldozer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he really, yeah. really is starting to come back to. Uh, uh, well, not even come back to his best because he didn't, he didn't, didn't lose it, did he? But you know, he's a, again, it's fantastic that they're able to call upon that level of that level of experience and excitement into uh, into their squad. So another good win for them, and it's Connacht next up, uh, which they've uh, which they've got next week. So that'll be that'll be another win for me. I think they'll I think they'll go out there and do a job on. Um, uh, do a job on Connacht. That one, um, that one is uh, on on Friday night, and it's at Parker Scarlets again. So I think I think that's another win for Scarlets. Absolutely, that's that's definitely a W. Right, let's quickly round up on a couple of other bits of of news. I know it seems a little bit uh, a little bit early to be talking about the Six Nations, but there was uh, two interesting news stories this week. So one, um, a bit of debate over scheduling and. Um, a call from uh, from uh, well, mainly from Premiership rugby bosses in England to um, shift the start date for uh, for England and French sides to a week after, which just seems like absolute madness to me. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, madness. Um, yeah, there's no need. Uh, there's no need for that, is there? They can't. They can't separate themselves from the, from the pack. Um, we all need to uh, we all need to stick together on this, and it's it's not happening, is it? So no, and I, yeah, I, I think yeah, common sense has to prevail there. But yeah, again, in, interesting club versus country. that anger you? Re- yeah, it did really because you just can't. You're right. That that just doesn't work by way of um by way of making it a fair competition. It doesn't work by way of player welfare either. I just think it was uh, it was mad to mad to have that suggestion really and I don't think it does the I don't think it does the administrators any favours because they you know I, I think they look out of touch with um with reality yeah yeah definitely so glad that's uh glad that's been put to bed the other thing 
Yeah. <laughs> the other interesting story is uh, apparently they're struggling to find a sponsor to replace RBS, who were the long-standing sponsors of that tournament. And time's starting to run out. They're tracking behind where they need to be, really. Um, the, the, the attacking scrum are coming in with... Yeah, with a, big, yeah. with a wholehearted, uh, yeah, a wholehearted <laughs> offer of zero pounds. Uh, yeah. A little bit out of our reach, well, that one, I think. Um, I think so. Well, that's your, that's your, your field. So what you, yeah, that's your line, isn't it? What, mm. Sponsorships and what do you, uh, what did you make of that? I think, to be perfectly honest, the whole of the sponsorship, um, arena, without getting too kind of detailed, um, here, I just think that, Big brands are struggling to see the value that they can get out of it. And, you know, it's it's great exposure for a brand uh, to be, you know, to be able to uh, to sponsor a tournament like the Six Nations. And you get a lot of um, a lot of exposure across the world. But at the same time, if you're the kind of company who's got the money that it takes to sponsor the Six Nations, arguably your brand doesn't need that level of exposure anyway. So you need more more than just your logo slapped on stuff. And I think that's where a lot of rights holders have gone wrong. They don't offer enough value, enough access to to players, enough access to creating some some content. People kind of constantly talk about this horrible phrase of fan engagement, which is supposed to mean that, you know, they, they create stuff that actually makes life better for fans. And to be honest, I think they just pay lip service to those things. And I think rights holders all across rugby and all across sport, you know, this, you know, it's not to say that everyone's doing it wrong, but I just think that for years they've had it their own way and brands have been prepared to go, okay, yeah, cool. I'm going to spend a lot of money on this because of the hospitality stuff that, um, that it brings. But I think it's, uh, I, I think times are going to change and you know, changing times. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's probably a wake up call. So do you think the, the, the brands are looking more for sort of, you know, how can they activate? How can they activate the brand, get engagement with or more on a sort of, I suppose, a local, more personal level than as opposed to just throwing your... It's got to be more than having your name out logo there. and your name out there, you know, in this day and age. But there's still value in that, isn't there, surely? There is some value in it, but, when you, look subliminal. At, but when you look at the level of investment that's required, I just think that it's something that you need to offer more and you need to be... It needs to be more than just your logo on something. You know, it needs mm. to be... Uh, you, you're exactly right there with the activation. It needs to be something that can feed into all levels of marketing all the way across a business, something that everyone within there can use. And um, and I just think that they're not offering enough um, enough value to uh, enough value to potential brands, uh, you know, for the what, for the money that's being commanded. What about if you can have if you if you've got the the spend then to have to put your to put your brand just right out there. Uh, so you'll pick up all the sort of on a subliminal level, and then you can also activate on a more on a more sort of local um, a local engagement. Then, yeah, and to that's, supplement that's, that's the way sponsorships. What you're doing. That's the way sponsorships should be done. Sponsoring the tournament gives you that right to to talk about it as a as a company. It gives you that right to talk about something other than banks and telephones or whatever sector that you might be in, and that's the that's the beauty of it. But what I think is that for the money that rights holders like Six Nations are commanding is they should be making that job easier for the for the brands that they're that they're potentially talking to. They should be offering more routes to to help brands activate it and, and they're just not doing that at the moment. So hopefully that's not too in detailed or boring marketing chat, but 
yeah, that's that's my thought on it. Interesting. Interesting. There we go. Let's bring it. Let's bring it back to on the pitch just to finish, then, shall we? So, as we yeah. always do, um, we have done since the start of the season. We've been reviewing um, essentially the, the team of the week with our pals over at adrive.co.uk, which is a website dedicated uh, to all things Welsh sport. So, plenty of uh, football, rugby, boxing chat on there. A really good interview with Terry Holmes on there this week as well. Um, legendary uh, Cardiff and Wales scrum half so that's uh, that's well worth uh, a read head over there and uh, have a little look at that but each week over there the boys normally uh, normally headed by our pal Craig he's um, he's picked his team of the week I say we're going to do this slightly differently this week so we're going to read out the team of the week as picked um, as picked by a drag and then me and you are going to pick one player from within that 15 who we think has been the the most outstanding player from within the region so to start with here's the uh, here's the side Carl Meyer, uh, Dragons at fullback. To be fair, did have um, did have a good game actually. Uh, Keelan Giles on the right wing, Steph Evans on the left, Willis Halaholo and Jonathan Davies in the centre, Gareth Davis and Reese Patchell halfbacks, Rob Evans, Christian Dacey and Fau Felice in the front row, Seb Davis and Tyg Byrne for the second week running in the second row together. Aaron Shingler, Ollie Griffiths and Nick Williams make up the back row. First off, any uh, anything, anything you change with that one, Dan? I thought what I mentioned earlier, I thought McLeod had a very, very good game when he yep. came on, but he didn't have, um, uh, he wasn't on for the whole, the whole game, was he? Um, did, was, did you mention, um, uh, Ken Owens, was he? So actually, no, no mention for Ken Owens, which I think you, I think you're right, actually, that could definitely, well, definitely be definitely. Yeah, I thought, I thought Ken Owens was outstanding. He had a huge game, so yeah, he needs, he, he uh, he's worth, uh, worth mentioning, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's definitely a good shout. And then, what about the the player of the week? So, as you say, we're going to pick one player who we think has uh, has been the one who's kind of head and shoulders above everyone else. Who do you think out of that fifteen is is the one who's uh, who's going to pick up the mantle? Yeah, I mean, Seb, Seb Davis for me has been has been brilliant week in week out. But I think if we're just looking at this week alone. Alaholo, um, for his contribution as, as, as it takes it for me. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were, there were a couple of, mo- couple of moments of, of magic, absolute magic from him. That without that, you know, Blues, Blues arguably wouldn't have won. Yeah, well, no, I don't, I don't think they would have won, uh, definitely. Um, and yeah, I, Definitely, I think he's he's had a brilliant performance for me. The the player who I, I think is has just been absolutely outstanding is it's Tyke Byrne. I, th- I think you know we've yeah. mentioned him earlier. For me, he's I can't the, he's the player. I just think he's so reliable. I thought Halahola was you know definitely was great and obviously warrants his his position in that team of the week. But the one player of the week for me is is Tyke Byrne. Yeah, he's so grounded, isn't he? I didn't know you saw the interview did, after yeah. with him. And um yeah, he just mentioned about how you know, firstly how all the players were tackling so well, so it was easy for him to get over the ball. I was thinking there was nothing easier about that. No. And and to be fair, you, you, you do do it week in, week out. And then he also mentioned just Cubby as well, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah that someone yeah. has to pick up that pick up that mantle after the uh because he's not there to do the work. Just just a great guy, isn't he? As well. He is and he's he is some player and as we said, it's been an absolute uh incredible find for the Scarlets. 
and loving it down there, isn't he? Loving yeah, it, it seems to be. Well. I mean, it's yeah, it's really, really interesting. It'll be very interesting to see whether he does go back to Ireland and um, you know, Munster obviously showing a huge amount of interest in him. If he does end up, you know, if he does end up back there, it'll be a massive loss for the Scarlets. But God, yeah, it'd be, it'd be it'd also be great to see him stay. Yeah, it will be a huge loss, but also it'll be a great, you know, we can turn into a positive, I think, and, 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 you know, for the Scarlets and, you know, they can use that as a bit of a story to show, you know, they picked up a chap that was released. They've, you know, brought him into the side, coached him, you know, giving him the confidence and, you know, he's going back to, you know, going back to his home, um, because he's got, you know, aspirations of playing for, for Ireland, which for me, he, he, he definitely will do. So, you know, it's a nice story as well. It is, yeah. And I think it's always good when you're able to say, yeah, he left us a better player. And, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's certainly developed as a as a player under the Scarlet's coaching. And, you know, and others can think along those lines, can't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, others can think on those lines. Look, we'll go to the Scarlet's, you know, look what they've done here. And, um, and, and we can, you know, we can improve, you know, we can improve our game. Definitely. Yeah, don't forget, head over to drive.co.uk for uh, your fill of uh, all Welsh sports news. So, as I say, there's loads on there as well as the uh, just the team of the week. And, uh, yeah, once you've done that, let us know what you think by uh, giving us a shout on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. You can do so on Facebook as well. And, uh, as I say, as always, if you've enjoyed it, leave us a review on iTunes. And, uh, yeah, we've got more rugby coming up next week. Dan Killick is, uh, is off on holiday. Where are you heading, Dan? Off to Crete for a week. Nice. Yeah, it's looking pretty wet over there, though. So, uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, it'd be nice to get bring away. A t- bring a touch of Wales to Crete. Absolutely, yeah. Can we do a dial-in? Or? Well, potentially, yeah. I've uh, I've yet to figure out who could fill your shoes for a week. So uh, yeah, we'll be be interested to see which one of our which one of our pals we get to step in for uh, step in for you. And yeah, maybe we might have to maybe we might have to have a dial-in after all. <laughs> Oh yeah, might might let might let you have the uh, the week off. Otherwise, you'll be, week off, yeah. you'll be running around Crete trying to I find someone. I haven't missed somewhere. one yet, have I? So, no, I don't think so. No, couple of, couple of Lions ones where I was doing where I was doing a few in in midweek, but I think we can, I think we can let you off that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, All right. Right. yeah. I'll see you. I'll see you the week later. After. Yeah, nice one. Well, plenty of rugby to catch on, and we'll uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, with or without Killick and uh, yeah in the meantime have a great week and we'll speak to you soon Sports Social Podcast Network